All right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, Second Chronicles. You ready for this one? 34, 35, and 36. Wrapping her up. And we never really got to this, but in Second Chronicles 33, and we have it up here as well, then you get into Manasseh and how Manasseh, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and then he dies. But then when you get into Second Chronicles 34, uh, then you're going to have Ammon. Well, just so you know, Ammon's in 33, but Ammon then, but then Josiah replaces Ammon, Okay, and then in this process, Josiah then actually undertakes reform. And then guess what? The book of the law is found. You're like, wait, what? (laughs) It was lost. So yes, somewhere between Manasseh and Ammon, yes, it gets lost. And then it's this whole process again. Hey, guys, we got to turn back to the Lord. It's like, did we did we just talk about that? So Josiah renews a covenant in verse uh, chapter 34. He makes more reforms. And then in chapter 35, Josiah actually, you know, I don't know if you have that little lamb again. There he is. There's our little buddy. Uh, what I love is, is that he then takes this lamb, right? And says, everybody, we need to focus on Passover through the blood of the lamb. So here you have Josiah bringing it all back. But crazy enough, in verses 20 through 25 of Second Chronicles 35, Josiah is, is killed. That's our transition today for Second Chronicles 36. So just so you know, at that point, at least the king was pointing people to him, right? This is kind of the image. It's the return to Yahweh mentality. And then it just gets kind of weird. In Second Chronicles, I'm just going to tell you, in, in the first, really, uh, all the way up through, at least through verse 10, you have a list of kings, and it's a weird list. So I'm going to go along. If the Bible is writing this out, I'm going to write this out. But I will tell you this, okay? Even though it's going to sound really bleak, the book ends with a hope. Okay, there is a hope in this story of the royal throne. All right, so now in verses one through four, and we're going to talk about it up on the on the chart as well. I would love to tell you that it all makes sense with their names, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't. Jehoaz, okay, and he's going to be in verses one through four. Now it says this. Then the common people took Jehoaz, son of Josiah, and made him king in Jerusalem in place of his father. Josiah dies in a battle. Now they come in and they say, Jehoaz, you're the new guy. Verse 2. Jehoaz was 23 years old. Well, praise God, at least he's not seven, right? You know, when he became king and oh, his reign lasted so long. Kevin? Three months. And he reigned three months in Jerusalem. And I love verse three, the king of Egypt disposed him in Jerusalem. What does that mean, disposed him? Like recycled him somewhere and like put him someplace. And then, oh, by the way, I'm going to remove this king. So the king of Egypt comes in and says, I don't like that king because that's really what happened. Find the land, 7,500 pounds of silver and 75 pounds of gold. So then it says, and it continues on to verse four, then Nico, king of Egypt, okay, uh, made Jehoaz's brother, Eliakim, king over Judah and Jerusalem and changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. But Necho, you ready for this, took his brother Jehoaz and brought him to Egypt. 
What just happened? This thing just went. <laughs> All right. So let's slow down. I want to kind of walk you through just a little of this process. Okay. It's fair to say that Jehoaz took place during 609 BC. Okay. This helped me a ton when I walked through this. Now, Kevin, can you go to 2 Kings 23, verse 31 through 33? Jehoaz, Jehoaz was 23 years old when he became king and reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamatal, daughter of Jeremiah from Libna, verse 32. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done in verse 23, 33. Pharaoh Necho imprisoned him at Riblah in the land of Hamath to keep him from reigning in Jerusalem. And he imposed in the land 7,500 pounds of silver and 75 pounds of gold. So guess where Jehoaz is? Jehoaz is in jail in Egypt. Okay, everybody good? So now he only reigned, though, just as a quick summary, Tom, do you remember? Three months. For three months. Okay. Uh, one of the things I want to make sure everybody understands, Kevin, can you go to Jeremiah ver- chapter 1, verse 3? Jeremiah 1, verse 3. Now here's what you're going to see in this transition. Jeremiah 1, 3, it says, It also came throughout the days of Jehoiakim, uh, son of Jesua- Josiah, king of Judah, until the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. You know what that means? <laughs> I'm trying to get your timing down. Jeremiah was present. Okay? This is going to get important with time. But Jeremiah, the prophet. Just let it be known. Usually when prophets are involved, it's messy. Or prophetesses. Since neither one listened to this message, I can say that. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So now let's keep going on. All right. So here you have in uh, verses five through eight. Now we have a new guy, right? And so even in Jeremiah one three, we just we know that as well. And here is your new guy. Now remember, what was his name, Kevin? Eliakim. Eliakim was his name, but then it became Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim. Okay. All right. So now. Here you have Jehoiakim. Okay, that's another king. And he's going to be in verses 5 through 8. Okay. What did he do in... I mean, it doesn't even say what he did in three months. That's a great question. And what was the deal with the king of Egypt and why did he have something against him? You know, it's a great question, Kevin. I mean, that's not a very long time period to have your, your reign say... I did evil in the sight of the Lord. And unfortunately, even in 2 Kings 23, we don't even have that much information. At least we find out he's imprisoned. We know that he is imprisoned. So, okay, that's the process. He's in prison. New guy comes in. And the new guy is his brother, right? Relative, right? So in this process, in this relative, Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned, well, praise the Lord, a little bit longer. (laughs) Now, let me just write this. So we went from 609 to 597 BC, okay? We know he reigns for 11 years. You're going to see that this is obviously, remember, since we've talked about this, in Kings, this is going to be somewhat of a repeat of this material. But yet somehow this, all this material supports everything that one author said to the other said. So he says, He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Verse 6, Now Nebuchadnezzar, okay, now, remember, we had Nico, the king of Egypt. Now you have another, quote-unquote, enemy coming in. He's the king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar is going to play a major part when we get into Ezra. 
Okay, so here you have Nico the Egyptian, Nebuchadnezzar the Babylonian. He attacked him, and then he bound him in bronze shackles to take him to Babylon. Okay, let's keep going to verse 7. Also, Nebuchadnezzar took some of the utensils of the Lord's temple to Babylon, put them in his temple in Babylon. Verse 8, as it wraps up, the rest of the deeds of Jehoiakim, the detestable things he did, and what was found against him are written in the book of Israel's kings. And then it says his son, Jehoiakim, becomes king in his place. Now, so let's back up for a second, all right? So what do we have here? Okay, we have Jehoiakim. He is now placed in shackles. He is placed in prison as well, correct? So if you, Kevin, if you'll go back to verse 6. Verse 6, it says, King of Babylon attacked him and bound him in bronze shackles to take him to Babylon. Is it fair to say I can put prison bars here? All right. So you have one guy... Hanging out in Egypt. Hey, I wonder how he's doing over there. <laughs> and then you got the other brother over here, other relative in, in Babylon. And it just said, and apparently Jehoiakim, after 11 years, he, he was so bad. I mean, in verse 8, it even says the rest of the deeds, the detestable things he did was found against him. So like this guy must, he had to have been bad. Kevin, all right, let's go to Second Kings 23 verses 34 and on. Then it says, Then Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, son of Josiah, king in place of his father Josiah, and he changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. Necho took Jehoaz and went to Egypt, and he died there. All right, now verse it continues on, actually, Kevin. So Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but at Pharaoh's command, he taxed the land, right? And he gave to give to the money. Hang on. <laughs> this is crazy. Okay, so Jehoiakim gives the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but at Pharaoh's command, he taxed the land to give the money. He exacted the silver and the gold from the common people, each man according to his assessment to give it to Pharaoh. Nico continues on. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibidah, daughter of Padiah from Rumah. It continues on. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done. It actually continues on in the chapter 24. And then you begin to see really even more what happened during Jehoiakim's reign. Then you have Nebuchadnezzar. So Jehoiakim works with the Egyptians and the Babylonians. You guys see that? That's, that's, he, he's working internationally. Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years and then turned and rebelled against him. Now that's why you see what you see in verse 2. Continues on, the Lord sent Chaldean, Armenian, Moabite, and Ammonite raiders against Jehoiakim. Wait. Who sent people to fight against the king? The Lord. He sent them against Israel, Judah to destroy it. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through his servants and prophets. Verse 3. This indeed happened to Judah at the Lord's command to remove them from his sight. It was because of the sins of Manasseh. What? According to all he had done. So are you ready for this one? This dude here is dealing with this dude's sins. This guy's got his own issues. But he's being removed because of Manasseh, verse 4. And also because of all the innocent blood he had shed. So not just because of Manasseh, but because of him. He had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood and the Lord would not forgive. Verse 5, the rest of the events of Jehoiakim's reign. And then it says, this is all written in this and it goes into verse 6 and 7. So I want to just say Jehoiakim is actually in bondage because of Manasseh, which is important to cut family ties if they're not of the Lord. Crazy enough, Jehoiakim has to deal with Manasseh's sins. Here's what's interesting. In this time frame of Jehoiakim, 
Is everybody with me? Daniel, like the Daniel, was taken captive to Babylon Babylon in 605 BC. So in this time period, guess what? Daniel is here and he's in captivity in Babylon. So you have to wonder, hey, what's up, Jehoiakim? <laughs> I think you get the point. In this process, I mean, even Kevin even has it in Daniel 1.1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. Okay, there's a lot there. We're not going to unpack all of this. But in this time period, thank you, Kevin, for that, you will see Daniel will emerge in this process. Because remember, Jehoiakim, 609 to 597 B.C. Daniel is in 605 B.C. Okay, now, you should expect Jeremiah the prophet to, yes, be in this one as well. But why this is important is because as we continue on in the historical books, I was going to go there like we have paintings because we don't have them yet, with Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, you're going to see you guys' names and then you're going to get into Isaiah and Jeremiah and you're going to be like, wait a minute, all of this actually fits together. It gives a lot of context for the prophets later on and stuff to, to look at what was going on. Yeah, so it's weird to study Second Chronicles the way we're studying this, but in order to understand what's coming, this little chapter is actually really, really important. And so let's keep on going if we can, Kevin. Let's go to verse 9. Enter a new king. Okay, actually go back to verse 8 just for a second. Chronicles, Second Chronicles 36, 8. It says his son Jehoiakim became king in his place. Well, what should we name the kid? Well, let's name him Jehoiakim Jr. Yeah, let's name him after his dad. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Jehoiakim. Oh, yeah, they did. They named it and missed it by basically one. Whatever. All right, so here we go. We got a new name. We got a new king. A new king in the house. So Jehoiakim, okay, he was 18 years old when he became king. And, oh, you guys... He made so much more progress than Jehoaz. Kevin, how long did it rain for? Three months, ten days. <laughs> Three months, ten days. Wow. These guys are doing really, really amazing. So it just says, and in this process of three months and 10 days, he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Might have been better not to be. <laughs> yeah. So 597 BC, hopefully you're seeing a little bit of a pattern here that we're seeing. And then 2 Kings... Kevin, 24, 8 through 16, if you'll go there. Uh, you know, this is, I should have said this. Jehoiakim, right? He was brought into Babylon, but what else was he brought with? What else did he come with? Temple, temple utensils, right? I, just, I don't want to forget that. So now when you go to 2 Chronicles 36, verse 10, in the spring, Nebuchadnezzar, as Jehoiakim is the king, he sent for him and brought him to Babylon along with the valuable utensils of the Lord's temple. So you know what that means, right? When he was sent for him? Any thoughts? I'm pretty sure they're not being buddies. No. Right? It's probably not good. And oh, by the way, can you guys bring some temple, temple utensils? I really like them. Bring the rest. Yeah, bring the rest. So what are they doing, Kevin, with the temple right now at this point? They're destroying it. They're cleaning house, man. They're totally, totally, you're absolutely right. They are bringing this to fruition. Now... Can I say, at, just based on this verse, that he's in prison? No, but let's watch the unrest of it of 2 Kings 24, 8 through 16. Jehoiakim, okay, third one that we've talked about, was 18 years old when he became king. He reigned three months in Jerusalem. It doesn't say the 10 days. Uh, does it contradict? No, it could be a generalization. It is what it is. His mother's name was Nehushtan. 
daughter of Elthanan from Jerusalem. Keep going to verse 9. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight as his father had done. Verse 10. At that time, here we go. Nebuchadnezzar, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Okay, so Egypt comes in, grabs Jehoaz. Now all of a sudden you have the, the power and the rule of Babylon. They marched up to Jerusalem and the city came under siege. Now, do you remember uh, what happened with Assyria? Assyria tried to, to take over, did they not? When Hezekiah was in charge. It didn't happen. But now with Jehoiakim, as they're coming up, it says the city came under siege. Verse 11. Then King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to the city while his servants were besieging it. It was happening. Verse 12. Jehoiakim, king of Judah, along with his mother, his servants, his commanders, and his officials, surrendered to the king of Babylon. Um, Do you know what this guy's called? A wimp. Jehoiakim handed over Jerusalem. And then it says it took him captive in the eighth year of his reign. So guess what that means, you guys? The bars come out. Yep. Verse 13, it continues on. He also carried off from there what we know, the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king's palace. And he cut into pieces all the gold articles that Solomon, king of Israel, had made for the Lord's sanctuary, just as the Lord, as God had predicted. What? Since Solomon's temple, you guys, this thing is now falling apart. This thing is radically falling apart. And it wraps up in verse 14, Kevin, if you would. Uh, actually, into 16. Then he deported all Jerusalem and all the commanders and all the fighting men, 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and metalsmiths, except for the poorest people of the land. You know what? They can stay. They got nothing. That's really what he's doing. No one, no one remained. Verse 15. Nebuchadnezzar deported Jehoiakim to Babylon. He took his king's mother, his king's wives, his officials, and the leading men of the land into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. In verse 16, the king of Babylon had also brought captive into Babylon all 7,000 fighting men and 1,000 craftsmen and metalsmiths, all strong and fit for war. And just like that, they surrendered. And so what you see here is the Israelites now are being taken into exile. And you know what that really means, you guys? They're in bondage. All right, so here we go. Everybody on the same page? Now let's go back to Second Chronicles, if we can, Kevin. The end of verse 10. Second Chronicles uh, 36, verse 10. says, Then he made, and I love this, who is this guy? Like, who is he to make them king, right? Like, Babylon says, yep, you're the king. Jehoiakim's brother Zedekiah, king over Judah and Jerusalem. So now, this is where it's going to get interesting. Okay, so we have Zedekiah. Okay, and it made him king over Jerusalem and Judah. In verse 11, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. So he's not in Babylon. Does everybody understand that? So that wave of all of those people, it still meant there was a group of people. Does that make sense? There was, there's a second group of deportation that's going to take place. But Zedekiah is still in Jerusalem, not in Babylon. He's reigning over the poor people. He's reigning over the poor people. That's really true, Kevin. That's all he... Hey, guys, what are you thinking? <laughs> hey, king, can I have some bread? <laughs> I mean, that's what we're look, that's what we're facing. And in verse 12, though, the problem was, oh, it says he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. 
his God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah, the prophet at the Lord's command. Now, okay, you see how we have a a, a pattern here. So if he is ruling, okay, we got to go from 597 to 586 B.C. If you are remotely uh, a biblical scholar, this isn't to demean anybody. If you see that that number 586 B.C., you know what's coming. Uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. I need to at least put my my references up here for everybody. Second Kings, twenty four verses seventeen, and then it goes all the way through twenty five, uh, verse twenty one, uh, and then actually I'm going to write up here as well. Jeremiah thirty two, four through seven. I, I should say this. Uh, this is going to get quite interesting. Uh, man, Jeremiah, right? He's still a prophet, still functioning during uh, Jehoiakim's time frame. And obviously, if I'm quoting Jeremiah, Jeremiah did as well. Jeremiah wrote lamentations to actually mourn the destruction that took place on 586. When the city is wiped out in 586, lamentations was written because of all of the destruction that took place to Jerusalem and that community. Now, I will say this. Let me back up here real quick. Ezekiel, okay? Whoa. We haven't said his name yet, have we? Ezekiel was actually taken into captivity in this time period because then, guess what? Ezekiel receives his commission in this time frame. Can you go to Ezekiel 1, verse 2? Sorry, there's so many prophet names here thrown out. I have really processed and prayed through this list. I just want to try to make it as clear as I can. Uh, yeah, look, on the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's exile. So Ezekiel is, in, I just, when you throw in Ezra and you're throwing in Ezekiel, I just wanted to make sure I'm still talking the same language. Okay, so then it is, just so you know, in Zedekiah's time frame, time frame, okay, Ezekiel was actually commissioned during this reign in Ezekiel 1.1. If you go to Ezekiel 1.1, in the 13th month, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, when I was among the exiles by the Chabar Canal, the heavens opened up and I saw a vision. So this is when he received his commission. Okay, just, I'm just trying to paint a picture here. And then he prophesied, this is crazy, from 592 to 560 BC. So Ezekiel played a major part during the time frame of, yes, uh, the poor people and Zedekiah. Okay, everybody, everybody good? All right, now watch this. In verse... Uh, 13 says he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar Zedekiah did who had made him swear allegiance by God so he rebelled so now he's he's like I'm turning against this he became obstinate hardened his heart against returning to Yahweh the God of Israel verse 14 all the leaders of the priests and the people multiplied their unfaithful deeds imitating all of the detestable practices of the nations. And they defiled the Lord's temple that he had consecrated in Jerusalem. Now, remember this audience, right? We're reading about Chronicles because they want to learn now that they're out of exile. I know this is totally crazy here. This group that's reading this, they're out of exile. They want to learn, how did we get into exile? This would be a great verse. (laughs) Oh yeah, we multiplied our unfaithful deeds. We were imitating the detestable practices of the nations. And then they defiled the Lord's temple that they had consecrated in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, like, it's just not good, you guys. But Yahweh, the God of their ancestors, sent word against them by the hand of his messengers, sending them time and time again for your compassion on his people and his dwelling place. The prophets are constantly speaking to them. Guys, turn to the Lord. Guys, do you realize what you're doing? But in verse 16, they kept ridiculing God's messengers, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the Lord's wrath was so stirred up against his people that there was no remedy. No more. 
Like it had gotten so bad, they're not listening to the prophets. You know, I, I don't function as a prophet, but I know sometimes we don't really like listening to them. They just kind of always have these words that kind of just rub you the wrong way. You're like, when are you going to just stop? No. And finally, it said it had gotten so bad, they rebuked the prophets that there was no remedy. So here's what happens in 17, 18, 19, and 20. It is not good, and it's what everything has been building up to this point. He brought them up against the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their choice young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary. So he had no pity on young men or, or young women, elderly or aged. He handed them all over to him. And look what happened. So the people were truly handed over to the Babylonians. And then it says in verse 18, he took everything to Babylon, all the articles of God's temple, large and small, the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king and his officials. And then it says in verse 19, then the Chaldeans burned God's temple. Now we're talking to you guys in 586, they tore down Jerusalem's wall, burned down all its palaces and destroyed all of its valuable articles. And then it says in verse 20, here you have another deportation, right? We've already talked about the wave of deportation with Jehoiakim, and now we have it with Zedekiah. He deported those who escaped from the sword of Babylon, and then they became servants to him and his sons until the rise of the Persian kingdom. That right there, that little transition to the rise of the Persian kingdom implies that when the Persians come into power, there's going to be hope. There's going to be a change from King Cyrus. But until then, this needed to happen. And in verse 21, here it goes. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through Jeremiah and the land enjoyed its Sabbath rest all the days of the desolation until 70 years were fulfilled. So Jeremiah, remember, is in this process. And he prophesied, you guys, that they were going to be in captivity so that the land could have rest. Because in Leviticus 25, it said that these years, you need to give rest to the land. They were honoring that because they're not even turning to the Lord. And so because of this, you're going to be in captivity until you actually obey, uh, until God could actually recover the land that needed the rest of your disobedience. Okay, real quick, Kevin, if you can, can, can we go to... Go to Jeremiah 25, 8 through 12. I did a whole chart on this and we don't have time and I'm not going to. Jeremiah 25, 8 through 12. This is the prophetic word that Jeremiah speaks. Look, this, therefore, this is what the Lord of hosts says. Because you have not obeyed my words, verse 9, I'm going to send for all the families of the north. This is the Lord's declaration. This is what Jeremiah prophesies. And send my servant Nebuchadnezzar. This is the king that's the evil king, king of Babylon. And he calls him his servant. And I will bring them against this land, against its residents, and against all these surrounding nations. And I will completely destroy them and make them a desolation, a derision, and ruins forever. In verse 10, I will eliminate the sound of joy and gladness from them, the voice of the groom and the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the lamp. So look, before we keep going, I'm going to just say this, you guys, they are now in prison as well. In verse 11, this whole land will become a desolate ruin. And here it is. And these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. They are now in exile. This is the second deportation. That was the first. And all of this is going to come for 70 years. When the 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation. And this is the Lord's declaration, the land of the Chaldeans for their guilt, and I will make it a ruin forever. So after 70 years, God's going to restore them. Jeremiah the prophet uh, reveals this word. (laughs) It's all to restore the land and to get people that are now coming back to turn to him. I'm not going to teach on this because I'm going to get it into Ezra tomorrow, but I have to read this here. It says in 2 Chronicles 36, 22, in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, 
the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. So after 70 years, 70 years, just boom, one verse, done. The Lord put it into the mind of King Cyrus of Persia to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and also to put it in writing. Verse 23, this is what the king of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem in Judah. Whoever among you of his people may go up and may the Lord his God be with you. So you know what? All of the people at the end of 23 are freed. And guess what they get to do? Build his temple on his land. All right, guys, that's 2 Chronicles 34, 35, and 36. Oh, I really wanted to get to a whole lot more, but this is a picture of the Israelites as we went through the journey of 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. But don't worry. If you're sad about not being in Chronicles, don't worry. Ezra's coming tomorrow. All right, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. 